You're listening to Inside Bliss with LaVon Kirkland. All right, welcome back to the Inside Blitz with LaVon Kirkland. I'm your co-host David Wyatt in studio with co-host Mike Foster and of course the man himself, LaVon Kirkland, in here has a lot of wisdom for us today and a lot of enthusiasm and I can't wait to get to him. We have a great interview coming up. And of course, last week's interview was awesome, and it's been an overwhelming uh, amount of support for the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame from you, the listener. So I want to start off thanking you. And of course, uh, LaVon, yes. talk to us about uh, the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame a little bit. And uh, for right. those that don't know, tell them what we're doing and why they should get involved and how they can do so. Right. Well, you know, I think that when I think about the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame and the impact that we're going to make toward these young people, the difference we're making through football, I, I always know when people ask me, like, well, I don't, I don't have anything to do that. Why would I do anything with the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame? I always say that you have skin in the game because there's no way you don't know a young person that's um, that's a student or an athlete that don't need what we can give them. And what we can give them is some skills that's going to carry them through their whole life. We're going to support them. We're going to um, embrace them. We're going to mentor them. We're going to do all those things. And you can't tell me that you don't know someone or never knew someone that could use that kind of help. You can't. Like I tell you guys all the time, I played in the NFL for 11 years successfully, and I wish I had the programs that we are providing our um, our young people. So we all have a skin in the game. So if you know a young person, you have a skin in the game, you owe it to yourself, it's going to make you feel tremendous to give back and also to make a difference. And I know everybody wants to make a difference in their lives. That's very, very good. So if you want to join up and become a member, do so at scfootballhof.org. You can just join there. And if you're interested in a sponsorship, which we are getting uh, companies that are sponsoring the Hall of Fame, send uh, LaVon an, an email, Kirkland at scfootballhof.org, and he'll send you a, a, a very short sponsor questionnaire that'll help us assess whether or not it's a good fit and we'll follow up that way too so thank you so much and this week's uh interview is paul mcguire i'm gonna go ahead and tell you paul mcguire who is from ohio got recruited the uh, i love the story of yes. how he made it to yep. the citadel and mm -hmm. we will leave that to uh the interview itself but the guy was a phenomenal football player, not just a kicker, but also a receiver, a return specialist, uh, all-around great football yeah. player, and had a great career in the professional leagues. And then, wow, the broadcasters. Tell us a little bit more about him, Mikey. Yeah, uh, class of 2018 inductee of ours and uh, played in the original AFL. Uh, all Every year that the, that the AFL was in business, he played. Uh, he's one of, like, 20 players to have played for the duration of that league hmm. um, and then 46 years in the broadcast booth I think when you hear wow. his voice you can tell you can be like yep I, I've I've watched a football game that Paul McGuire was a part of yeah, and right. I think that uh, the legacy there is interesting because of that because 
people growing up watching football are going to be like, oh man, I recognize that voice. Yep. Uh, it's so distinct. And uh, his personality is beyond words. It's awesome. And he's a little bit unfiltered, which is cool too, which yep. adds a little bit of humor to it. But uh, yeah. uh, he has an interesting perspective and, and it's a very interesting interview because of everything that he, he's been involved with as a player and as a broadcaster and the people that he's run into and worked with during his career. Yep. So, and he gives a lot of credit to the guys that he worked with. I love this humility. We appreciated him being on this interview. And uh, stick around and stay tuned because we'll be right back with Paul McGuire on the Inside Blitz with LaVon Kirkland. Hi, this is Paul McGuire. You're listening to the Inside Blitz with LaVon Kirkland. Hey, welcome back to the Inside Blitz with LaVon Kirkland. It's a great day, it's a great week, and we are so excited about this yes. interview today. LaVon, I am turning it over to you, my friend. Well, thank you, my friend. Uh, our next guest spent 11 years as a professional football player, get it as a punter and also a kicker. But the most amazing thing was he's a 46 years as a color broadcaster. First with NBC, he's done some work for ESPN, college football, even for the USFL. Uh, he's been a part of the number one broadcasting team for the M for NBC from 1995 to 1997. We welcome one of my favorite color guys, Paul McGuire. Paul, how you doing, my friend? Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's good to talk to you, man. Oh man, it's good talking to you. I, I remember. I remember you on television, even as a as a player, I remember you. And I thought you did such an excellent job of bringing your personality and also your knowledge of the game. So we appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. But I, I, you can't remember me as a player. You're not, you weren't even born yet, were you? Uh, no, I wasn't quite born yet. But, you know, they have this thing called Google. And uh, you can look back and get some facts and, and figures God, now. Thank God. I'm, I'm, I just I thought... Man, I'm younger than I thought. Yeah. But I'm not. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you do you guys have um, face masks back in those days? One bar. One bar. That's the only thing. I, yeah, honestly. Uh, 1960 through 70, I, I, I wore just one bar. And, uh, and if you saw me right now, you just, you'd just realize that this face has worn out four bodies. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's never important. Uh, well, you know, again, we, we really want to thank you for being a part of our, uh, our podcast, Inside Bliss with Levine Kirkland. And normally when we start this, I kind of throw a softball question at you. So are you ready for the, the question? Pretty easy. Oh, I don't, yeah. We want to get to know you a little better. So what's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Well, my hometown is Jumpstead, Ohio, so mm -hmm. everything that I ate there, we stole. <laughs> um, I love it. But here in Charleston, South Carolina, where we live now, it uh -huh. would have to be, I'm going to plug it now because it's a really great place, the Long Island Cafe and, and, and uh, the Isle of Palms for fried shrimp. Nobody has fried shrimp better than they do. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Oh, man. Oh, so you highly recommend it? Oh, it's like eating out. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. I'm hungry. I know. Yeah, man. You're making me want some shrimp. Okay. Well, now I'm, I'm very curious about this one. Now you're originally from Youngstown, Ohio, correct? 
Yeah, do you want somebody killed? Uh, no, we'll talk about that later <laughs> off the air. But, but I was wondering, how in the world did you end up in Charleston, South Carolina, and going to the Citadel? Well, in 1955, a guy by the name of Al Davis came to my house in Youngstown, Ohio. No way, Al Davis, okay. And he was assistant coach of the Citadel with Johnny Sauer, who was from Dayton. And... Uh, doesn't matter, but I, I could have gone practically anywhere I wanted to go at that time. And he recruited me to go to the Citadel, and uh, I ended up going there. And the one reason, <laughs> of course, Al Davis, I, who I, you know, as, as everybody knows, passed, that he's was one of the best friends I ever had, and I mm -hmm. loved the man. But he, I think, in 1955, he lied to me before he ever <laughs> lied to anybody else. He, he, he told. He told me that I'm going to the Citadel, and I, you know, I, and he had vet students at the time, so it's, it was kind of uh, easy to believe it. But he said I would never have to wear a uniform; I can go as a vet student. Hell, I'm 18 years old, right. and I bought it. But the important thing is, uh, Ron, is that he said to me, "I said all I want to do is play football," and he said. I promise you, you're going to play. And I ended up starting for four years and, and then got got drafted 17th by the Los Angeles Chargers and the and the Washington Redskins and ended up with the Los Angeles Chargers. And that started everything for me. And Al Davis is the guy that I have to thank. He, he's, he's just not only a great friend, but I, I tell you, one of the most honest people that I know. Right. Well, you know, I read a little bit about Al Davis and what he did with the AFL. I mean, it was remarkable. Really changed my perspective of him as a um, as a man, as a coach, and as an owner. Uh, can you dig a little bit deeper about Al? I mean, you said you guys were great friends. Um, can you tell us one of the reasons why you guys became good friends? I mean, he kind of hooked with you and he going to settle. So I'm kind of wondering how you become your friend after that one. Well, he. Uh you know, he, he he just, everything he's ever said to me uh, came true, except that the fact that I wouldn't have to wear a uniform, <laughs> and I would never have to have a rifle and I, all that stuff. But he was there for just the first year in 1956, and then he went to Southern Cal, mm -hmm. and he took uh, uh, three guys with him, Al B. Mel Al, let's see, Who's the, who's the wide receiver? Uh, Angelo, remember Angelo Coya? I, you may not. He played for the Chicago Bears for a few years as a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. uh, this guy out of Philadelphia that he brought to the Citadel, uh, Jock Wilkins and Alvy Ben Savage. Those three guys went with him to Southern Cal, and he asked me to go uh, after my freshman year, and I just said, <clears throat> you know, I. I the one thing I think all you people know about family is that I, my father, I only went to the third grade, worked on the B&O Railroad all of his life, and he uh, I, he just said, no matter where you go, I just hope that you stay for four years, and that I that was the promise I made to him, right. and, wow. and I stayed, and it's the best thing that ever happened to me, uh, because all of the stuff that happened to me is because of, of Al Davis and the Citadel, and here I am living now in Charleston, South Carolina. It doesn't get any better than this, man. Oh, wow, that's a testimony for Citadel and Al Davis and your father. Well, you know, I, I just tell you, the, 
the coaching staff, they just showed it in the game the other night, the, uh, the Charger, Los Angeles Charger game, because the Chargers are now up in Los Angeles, as you know, right. and the Oakland Raider game. And on that first coaching staff when I went to the Chargers was Sid Gilman, who mm-hmm. coached the Rams for years. Yes. Uh, Al Davis, Joe Madro, mm-hmm. Chuck, Jack Faulkner, who was from uh, almost Youngstown, Ohio, Boardman, and um, my favorite coach of all time. Now, I, this is a test for you, LeVon. He okay. coached the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Would that be Chuck right, Noll? I'll give you a hint. Okay. Did I answer it right? I said Chuck Noll. That's it. Thank you. All right. All right. That was, that was the coaching staff of the Chargers in 1960 in Los Angeles. Wow. So that was a collection of coaches. Oh, I tell you what, it was just unbelievable. Uh, you know, you just you know, got to remember the reason it's it's so memorable memorable to me. Starting in those days, we only had thirty two players on a team. Okay, and that was it. Wow! And there were eight teams, and we played each other twice. So that's why the American Football League, all those guys are so close because we played against each other twice mm-hmm. a year, home and away, and it just. Uh, Everybody was friends. I mean, you went out. I, I don't know in 11 years if I ever played a game on the road without a hangover. <laughs> kind of got together the night before the game, and, you know, and then then went out and beat the hell out of each other on Sunday, which is a nice thing. Yeah. But yeah. in those days, the bond, everybody knew each other. Right. You know what I'm, what I yes. Mean? Mm-hmm. We, nobody had agents, and no one had attorneys. And Right. It was a closer bond. I get it. Yeah. It really, it really was. I mean, yes. I, my first year, it was just fabulous for you. I, uh, you guys probably would, you know, don't even understand this, but I, I was one of the higher paid guys. I made eight thousand dollars my first year. Wow, wow! And you were one of the highest paid. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> I just threw that in. Look, Jack Kemp was a quarterback, and I think he was probably making. Uh, Fifteen thousand, maybe at the most. Right. But I played and finished. I played eleven years. In my last year with the Buffalo Bills, I made twenty five thousand dollars in wow. nineteen seventy, which is really kind of neat. Yeah, that's a nice raise there. Now, oh hell yeah! Fight for every had a fight for every, every, every five hundred dollar raise. <laughs> now, r- really, the AFL. If it wasn't for the AFL, I mean, all the innovations in the AFL, it probably wouldn't be an NFL today, would it? Someone was telling me the other day, and, it, and it's the first time we even thought about it, and I didn't realize, in 1960, when the AFL came around with Lamar Hunt and Ralph mm-hmm. Wilson and all the people, uh, Casey Bud Adams and those guys, and there there were only 12 teams in the National Football League at that time. Okay. So with the eight, when they merged the other eight, that made it 20, and now, what the hell, it's what, 32? 32, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was an, another place to go for, for, you know, all these other leagues have tried to start up and do this. But uh, the AFL at that time, because of Lamar Hunt, and they had they had some money. Mm-hmm. And they were bound to determine it was going to work. Wow. So I remember in 1960, we were playing Houston in the Los, because we played in the Los Angeles Coliseum when the Rams were away. Mm-hmm. And if we beat Houston, we're in the uh, we're in the championship game. And I think there were eight thousand people in the Coliseum in Los Angeles. I mean, it looked like the people that came every day just to see what the hell was going on. <laughs> <laughs> and this is 
Kurt Gowdy and and Paul Christman were the, were the announcers, and what they did, they delayed the game ten mm-hmm. minutes, and they. You guys, Yvonne, you guys, uh, Levon, you guys will understand this. They moved. Yes. They took time out to move the people from behind our bench. <laughs> right. Because that's where the cameras were. Exactly. see at that time. And they moved them on the other side of the field. And they didn't shoot any, like they do today, they, you know. And I don't know why the hell they do it anyway. Why they, they shoot a ball in the air when a guy punts. Right. Me. What are you looking at the ball for? <laughs> Twenty-two guys beating the hell out of each other on the field. Are you looking the at the ball? Got the, the, the cameras are on a football. It's in the air. <laughs> but they couldn't put the they couldn't put the ball or the, the ball in the air then because you know they just there weren't any people across. It looked like you know right, yeah. friends came in. And I remember before the game, we didn't actually, you know, we weren't introduced. We just went to the stands and shook hands with everybody, and then went back down to play. <laughs> Man. It was a different game back then. It really was. It it, it was. It was. You know, the, the the amazing part about it is uh, one that they um, they only played man to man on defense and zone. That was it. That's it. And they played. Uh, Kansas City was the first one to ever go to a four three defense, even in the, from the uh, the other the National Football League didn't. Uh, but everybody played four uh, three, and it was le- legitimate. In fact, nineteen. God, I hate to keep bringing this stuff up. But 1961 or 62, mm-hmm. we still hold the record, the Chargers. And I was playing defense at the time. I was a linebacker at that time. They, We hold the record for interceptions in, uh, what, 14 games, 41 interceptions. Wow. And I don't wow. think it'll ever be broken. I don't think so. No, not at all. But you got to understand, all they played was man-to-man. Right. And, you know, and just regular zone. That was it. Yeah, some teams wish they probably could just play man-to-man in regular zone. It's, it's definitely a little bit more complex than that now. Fire zones, well, quarters coverage. As fast as the receivers are now, Yeah, there, there aren't very many corners that would like to play just no. man-to-man. Okay. Uh, give me some help, yes. <laughs> <laughs> help, me, help me with this guy. Oh man! It, it, but it was fun. It was really fun. I mean, he he just threw the ball around, and we had a great time. Oh, excellent, excellent! Now, I I heard somewhere that your mother could do some miraculous things with hamburgers. Can you go a little deeper with that? My mother? Yeah. Well, that's all we can afford. <laughs> And we raise chickens. Right. That's why I, I really don't eat chickens uh-huh. or turkeys. I don't like either one of them because you, when you raise them, you really know how they really smell. And right. Them. Oh, yeah. I don't want to, you know, make people feel bad. But my mother, my mother invented any every way that you could possibly make a hamburger <laughs> and what to put in it that was that we grew in the garden. Wow. So, but that's, you know, I the first time, I, this is the truth, we were talking about Al Davis, the first time I ever had a steak in my life was when he brought me to Charleston to visit, mm-hmm. and he took me out to dinner, and it's, it's God's honest truth, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm 18 years old, I've never, I've never had a steak, and so we go to this fine restaurant here in Charleston, and Al's, we're sitting there, and, and the waiter comes up, and he said, uh, Mr. Davis, uh, what would you like? He, he said... How about let's let this young man order? And I'm looking at the menu, and you know, then 3.95 was it was a steak, and that wow. to me, I didn't have 3.95. But anyway, he said, I said I'll have uh, 
this one here because it was the most expensive one a porterhouse <laughs> and the guy the waiter said to me he said how would you like that cooked uh oh and I said you well say- done how else would you cook <laughs> I thought you were going to say fried right? or something like that <laughs> no. and the guy looked at me and Al Davis looked at him and he said hey this man knows steak so do it the right way right 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 well, I'll tell you, when that damn thing came, I couldn't even cut it. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. <laughs> what the, when was everybody, you know, so excited about having steak? This thing, you couldn't, after you did it well done, you can't cut it. Right, it's like rubber then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, the baked potato was good. Yeah. Which I never had either. Well, we, you know, we live and we learn. We live and we learn. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sometimes the hard way, Louis. Sometimes the hard way. Now, I want to dive into your uh, color broadcast. I thought you were just tremendously funny. What made you go into uh, broadcasting? Well, Kirk Gotti recommended me before all our games when I was playing, and we were still at American Football League, and ABC was doing them, and and Kirk Kirk became an announcer with NBC. He recommended me to, uh, to NBC, and uh, that's how I got a job in 1971. Uh, but I work with Don Crickey. If you, do you guys remember Don Crickey? Let's Don see. He's a guy from Notre Dame that did the Bills preseason, and he worked for CBS, I think. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure. But he just taught me, Vaughn, about, about announcing. He said two rules that you have to go by, I think, and because you're on television and people can see it. Right. All right, is to talk when you have something to say, not all that trivial crap, because people are looking, they're seeing it. Mm-hmm. And when you see a play and you're going to do a replay, which was, you know, we only had one in those days anyway. And he said, make sure you tell them why they saw what they saw. Don't tell them what they just saw, because they just saw it. Right. So, does that make sense? And I've lived by that. And you know, guys, Ben, you played. Mm-hmm. You know, the people will never understand unless you played the game like we have. Right. What it's like to play on a Sunday mm-hmm. in the game. All that stuff all week long to practice in is crap. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, it's necessary, but it's boring, and you get the same things over and over and over again. And then Sunday afternoon, or Man. whatever day you're playing. Is just what you look forward to, and nothing to me was more fun than playing in a game. So I just looked at it, and I know, and you know, you were there. You enjoyed it. It was the most fun you ever had. Oh, no question. Yes. So, you know, why would you sit there and be so serious about something? These are a bunch of grown men that are acting like children playing in a game, you know, yes. it's, it's very dangerous, Right. but yet they, we never knew that. Yeah. We never knew that. Right. And it, that, that, that's why I looked at the game and I thought, you know, there's some really funny experiences I went through. And the other thing too that, that I found out is please, when you're doing a game, please don't tell people when you play, when you're on the, on the air, nobody cares. <laughs> You're not playing anymore. Right, yes. You, you know, now we only had one game a week. Right. Now there's stations you can get every game. And the people that are watching your game, the announcers really fail to realize, 
is that there's a reason they're watching this game. And it's not because of me or, or Dick Enberg or uh, Marv Albert or anybody else that I work with. It was because they want to see what these two teams are doing. No question about it. And so why would you talk about other, you know, other games that are going on, and why would you talk about what they did last week? Right. The, the thing that people are interested in is what they're doing right now in this three-and-a-half-hour period they have to watch their team. So that's – I just thought that, you know, I thought about all the funny things that happened that I saw, and, and it, they're happening on the field. Right. Well, that, you know what? Honestly, that's brilliant. That, that really is. I think some guys come across uh, like know-it-alls. The one thing I liked about you were, I mean, you were just authentic. And um, we really appreciate that. We really do. I, I appreciate it. I had a lot of, a lot, of, and I still get letters from guys that, that thank me for doing it. But we all try to. And just, you know, this game is not a complicated game. See, Mike, I told you that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I told you it was a simple game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. Didn't you, let me ask you when you played, did you have an assignment? Yes, sir. That's your job, right? Yep, that's, that's my job. It's what you're, here's what you're supposed to do. Right, yeah. I thought it was, you know what? I, I remember one time trying to make the game a little bit more complicated. I had the worst game of my life. I went back and said, hey, man, just just play what you see. Just trust your eyes. And, you know, it was great for me. So I, I definitely understand what you're seeing. And I, I love the perspective that you're giving. And I think, like I said before, it came across so well on television. One of my favorite things is uh, you did the Super Bowl 30 that we played against the Dallas Cowboys. And you mentioned my name. I mean, that was just great, man. I, I look back on that. And I'm like, man, Paul McGuire mentioned my name. That was so cool for me. You know, that, I remember the game. You screwed up in the, on the play, and that's why I mentioned Yeah, that. yeah. Well, actually, that was, you know, actually, that was Chad Brown. <laughs> You know, sometimes you just need to do things yourself, you know. But Chad Brown messed up on that play, and I'm like, why didn't I just make the tackle myself? Well, you know, it's it's really true. You think about it, you know, because I, I was a weak side linebacker, and they do still have weak side and, and strong side linebackers, but they, they don't move that much. But I'm going to tell you something. The most important thing that I thought about playing out there, Vaughn, was – don't you're not going to run wide of me right. you're not getting that my job is here if they go the other way my chances of making the tackle on the other side of the field are zero right so my job is make sure that i cover the back coming out to my side and make sure i'm the end man on the line that nobody you don't get wide Yes, that's simple. You know, that's sometimes. why they have the other ten guys. Yes. So you turn the plan. So you turn the play into them. It's it's a very simple process. <laughs> it, it, it can be. It can be just that simple, and guys make it a little bit more complicated than it really should be. Well, I I, I first started out. I was a linebacker playing for Chuck Knoll, and oh. I'll tell you what. He had the personality of a piece of asparagus when I first met him. <laughs> and I want to tell you something. He was all business right all yeah. of those guys and he he taught you exactly how to play and here's your position and by god you defend it right and if you don't i'll find somebody else that does yeah that's the thing i heard about chuck i didn't get an opportunity to play for him but i heard that he was really strict on those fundamentals if you didn't do it right you're going to get bounced so i've heard they, some stories they, they took they, they take you out of the game 
if you screwed up a play together game and put the guy in behind you, of course mm-hmm. we didn't have that many guys in those days, but they have another guy behind you, and then when he screwed up, he went back in again. Wow. But you learned a lesson. Yeah, I got to do your job. Yeah. If you don't do your job, you, you're going to be out of a job. That's for sure. Yeah. But one of the things that we like to do here with the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame, we talk about leadership and how football makes a difference in, um, in young people's life. I just want to know, what you know, how did football make a difference in your life? It took me out of out of out of Youngstown, Ohio, which is my home, and I and I loved it. And my parents, and then when I was in college, they moved to Arizona, uh-huh. uh, where I had other relatives. Uh, it it enabled me to uh, realize that you're not the most important person in the world. There are a hell of a lot of people around you that that uh, that you have to respect. And uh, I always thought about there's a reason why I'm here. I'm not a very religious man, I'm, I'm very honest about that, but I but I believe that, that there's a reason that it's, everything that has happened to me, happened to me, and I'm living the, the perfect life. I've been, we just celebrated our 57th wedding anniversary, my wife and I. Congratulations. Uh, my daughters are very healthy and their families are good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my important, one the messages that I tell young people is just somebody had to help you somewhere along the line. You mm-hmm. couldn't have done this by yourself. Nobody does this by themselves. And when you look at the people that are responsible for what you do, Al Davis took me out of Youngstown, Ohio. I'm down at the Citadel. Then uh, uh, the Chargers, I got drafted into the uh, American Football League. I played pro football for 11 years and the friendships that I've had there. And every time I look at my life and the things that have happened to me, somebody was responsible in some way. And what I tell young people to do is just take time out and re- reflect on your life and just you know, pick up the phone, pick up a pen and paper and write somebody and say, hey, you know what? Thank you. It's a simple thing to do. It's either a phone call or a letter. A lot of people that I have, that have helped me are, are, are gone now, passed away. Mm-hmm. But there's still people today that you look to for some kind of guidance or friendship and don't ever forget them because they're the ones that enabled you, LaJuan, me, and everyone that's in that room with you and out there listening. They enabled you to do something. Wow. Don't ever forget yeah, that's that's a great message. Thank you so much for that. Hey, Paul, David Wyatt here. T- tell us and the listeners uh, out here what perhaps your top one or two uh, memories as a broadcaster, your favorites. Well, the most important thing, the most favorite, it was Mark Albert that I worked with for mm-hmm. about five years. And we were second team to Enberg and then, then working with them. But... Um, I just I'll just tell you a couple a couple of funny things. They're Dick Enberg, and um, it it is true. We were doing a game in Cleveland, and uh, he's just sitting there. And he you know he, the next the day before, all he thinks about uh, is 
you know, we're going to commercial. I have to do this and these things. And he has to do, set up, set up all the play-by-play guy sets up everything. All we do is we start we doing a game, a game when something happens, and we reflect on what's happening. So we can't do anything until the game starts. Mm-hmm. Well, he uh, what's his name is on the sidelines at Cleveland for some reason or other, and he, he, I think he's either from there or had some something to do with the Browns. And Tommy Roy, our producer, said, said, Dick, on the sidelines behind the Cleveland bench, bench is Bon Jovi. And Dick didn't know Bon Jovi from a bag of marbles. <laughs> he said, they put the camera on him, and I'm sitting in a booth, and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, that young man behind the Cleveland bench is Bon Jovi. <laughs> Tommy Roy goes, who the hell is Bon Jovi? <laughs> That's Bon Jovi. Dick didn't know. And, now, and Dick is one of the best. Oh, yeah, the best. I mean, the nicest, kindest man I've ever right. known in my entire life. And he was so professional. So is Marv Albert. Marv, Marv is, was funnier than really people ever thought, and he is. He's, he's hysterical, and I enjoyed working every guy. Jim Simpson. Right. But, uh, it you know when you work with these guys that are such professionals they do more work than we ever did practicing mm-hmm. because when they step into the booth they can't make a mistake wow you know you're going to make a mistake which I have and they're there to correct it for you not viciously but you know if you make a mistake the only mistake has ever been made by anybody in in the announcing business that I know is an uncorrected mistake. You can't say something stupid in the first quarter and let it go through the entire game because that's the only thing those people are going to remember. Right. And you know, they Dick Enberg was was one of those guys that just taught you how to work. Marv Albert. I never saw Marv the the night before a game. I never saw Dick because these guys were putting their boards together, doing all their stuff on a Saturday night, getting ready for a game. Mm-hmm. It was amazing the hard work that these guys did and how much work they put into it. It was just uh, crazy. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great story, especially like we said before about someone as professional as Dick. I mean, I, I've done an interview with him once or twice, and I was always in awe with you guys. So that's an amazing story. I want to know, is there something – at this um, moment that you're passionate about, is there a foundation or a cause that you really are a champion for? Well, it, it's something that, that none of you guys will never understand. Well, yeah, I understand, but you don't know about it. Is that when I was at Ursuline High School, uh, there's a man that taught me how to punt. It was a guy by the name of Nick Johnson, mm-hmm. and he wasn't even on the coaching staff. He he uh, he was worked for the city. But he was a great friend of Coach Carey's, who was was our coach. And I'm I'm trying to punt the ball because I thought that that was cool. And he and he's he's called me Luganhead. Now I didn't understand what the hell that meant. I thought it was I thought it was compliment, but apparently it's you dummy. Uh, okay. <laughs> said, Translation. You really want to learn how to kick? Yeah. You know, and I kept thinking every time I saw him, because we never were really introduced to him, that he sat there and Kerry would go up and talk to him afterwards. 
and uh, I'm thinking, you know, this guy isn't a, isn't a teacher. He's not, you know, uh, um, he's a black man that I think I need to know. And my father used to talk to him, and I said, who the hell? He said, that's Nick Johnson. Mm. I said, okay. Well, he taught me how to kick. Wow. He really did. And taught me the art of punting. And it's at 11, lasted 11 years. And uh, at times when I was at the Citadel, one year I was second in the nation and all these different things that happened. And then the only reason I made the charges in 1960 was because I was the only punter that they had. And they only had 32 guys. Right. <clears throat> Plus I played both ways in, on, at the Citadel on offense and defense. And they made me a linebacker. So I had some value because it was a punter. And that's the only reason I ended up in the pros for 11 years. So uh, over 50 years ago, I started the scholarship fund at Ursuline High School in okay. his name, Nick Johnson. Nice. Wow. Going on since then. And it's, uh, you know, going to a Catholic school, it's very expensive mm -hmm. for, a, for a lot of people. And with the Nick Johnson scholarship, there have been hundreds of kids that have gotten partials, money to help. Hmm. And it's something that uh, that is never going to be stopped or forgotten. Um, in fact, there's stuff in my will that goes to it. And it's just a thing where he helped me, and through him, he is still helping young people go to Ursuline High School in Youngstown, Ohio. That's awesome. And these, that's what I'm passionate about. I, you know, I know there's a lot of other things that, that that people do for so many people, and I just think that this, to me, is more important because what it's doing is helping children. Wow! And that's important. Well, that's an amazing story. We really appreciate you sharing that with us. One thing I was going to add was not only was Paul a great punter and a and a very good linebacker, but he once led the country in touchdown passes as a, as a tight end at the Citadel. Wow, really? We did, I didn't know that well, about you. Well, it, well, whoa, 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 something. <laughs> yes, I did. In 1959, I led the nation in touchdowns 11. But I wasn't – hey, I weighed 174 pounds, was the most I ever weighed at the Citadel. I was a wide receiver with no speed. Right. But the one thing I did learn at Urson High School and was – to even though we ran a single wing, I learned how to run routes and catch because okay. you know you only caught maybe three or four balls in two games because they're running a single wing. Mm -hmm. It was a running team, yep. so I had to figure out a way to get open. When when are you ready for this? I just remembered his name. The guy that played Ray Dolak, who was our quarterback, mm -hmm. and but so when I got the Citadel, Al Davis really showed me how to run routes and. I knew how to get open, and I, I made sure I learned how to catch properly, and it paid off in 1959. And then eleven weren't that wasn't a whole lot. Right. I mean, there's guys now with I don't know 15, 20 touchdowns a year, but it just so happened in 1959 I, I led the nation. And in TD receptions. It was in TD, in TD, yeah, TD receptions. Yeah. That's pretty strong right there. <laughs> Yeah, you're a lot more versatile than I uh, originally thought. I thought being a punter and a linebacker was good, but you caught touchdown passes, too. Well, listen to this one. I can walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> I, I have problems doing that sometimes, so I'm giving you praise. I, pra I practice that, so I don't 
<laughs> well, good. Hey, well, we want to thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and doing this interview. You're amazing, amazing character, great personality. And we got to have you back on again, okay? Will that be okay? Anytime. Anytime. Thank I'm you. I'm here. Sir. I'm with you. Hey, yes. I just got to make sure that my car starts. That's all I have. That's my only job. <laughs> That's it. And you got a, You got something going on tonight, don't you? I'm going, yeah. They have a once a year, or not once a year, but every year, uh, I think three or four times a year, they have a, a steak dinner for the football team, and the Citadel does, and, and it's sponsored by, you know, businessmen in, in, in Charleston. And uh, uh, this is my week to go, and say hello and congratulate these guys for doing whatever they do and make sure they don't forget where the hell they're from. Yeah, I, I hear yeah, you. They got a great season going this year. Well, they're they're doing pretty well, but I think they just got knocked out of getting in this in the Southern Conference thing because of uh, uh, Furman just beat the hell out of somebody this weekend and knocked us at all, even though they oh. beat Furman. Yeah. Their record is, you know, I think it's 4-4, four and four, but they're they're all right. Okay. They work hard, you know. And when you, let me tell you something, Levon. When you run, this is like the single wing. When you run uh, quarterback, all he does is run. Right. I remember. Two, well, last year I went to a game and they had a quarterback that came in when they were third and six or more. He mm-hmm. was the passing quarterback, <laughs> and I'm I'm sitting up in the box with a friend of mine. I said. What the hell is that all about? <laughs> you know, don't you think the defense and host that he's throwing quarterback? They're like, pass, pass. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as this guy puts his helmet on in the sideline, the defense is screaming, it's going to be a pass play. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is football being complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yes. too. Yeah. Gentlemen, I thank you very much. Thank you for calling and inviting me anytime. Uh, thank, thank you so you much. It's an honor, Paul. Thank you so much. I see you guys. Bye. Go Bye. South Carolina Football Hall of Fame. Thank I'm, you so much. I'm so privileged to be in it. And I, Devon, you understand it's, just, it's a great honor representing your state. No question. Represent me in any way. Yeah. But I appreciate you guys calling and taking the time to listen to my crap. Oh, uh, <laughs> man. It was excellent. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Anytime. Okay, Anytime, buddy. guys. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Wow. Wow. Paul McGuire, man. That man. guy is a legend. I grew up watching Paul McGuire. Yes. Certainly, my mom is a huge football fan, and we right. used to always watch, and, and uh, one of the favorites. Just oh, he was great on the mic. He really was. Yeah, he was he unique was. on the mic. He wasn't, you know, he didn't come across as a guy who knew everything. He just came across as, you know, hey, we're watching the game together, and I'm going to tell you what's going, on, what's happening. I'm yeah. telling you what's happening in the now. I'm sharing a story with you. So um, I think anytime you got a guy like that who's authentic, who's able to really are, um, articulate what's happening on the field, you got a good color guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're honored to have Paul McGuire in, honored to have him on the show today. We appreciate you listening and sticking in there, making this such a successful podcast. So. Be sure to stick with us. We'll be right back. We're the Inside Blitz with LeVon Kirkland. You're listening to Inside Blitz with LeVon Kirkland. Welcome back to the Inside Blitz with LeVon Kirkland. It's a great interview there. I mean, wonderful. Uh, Paul McGuire, that guy, we could talk to him all day. Oh, he's funny. <clears throat> Clearly a broadcaster. Yes. 
funny as all get out, a little bit irreverent as uh, Mikey pointed out, but yep. uh, but a fantastic interview. Always great to have him on. We do no have question. the best Hall of Famers, the best people like yourself, right. and of course, there's a wealth of knowledge here in this room, and we appreciate you being willing to share it with our no listeners question. and with us. Uh, this is where we go to the inside look. Obviously, the Hall of Fame, all about leadership. We lead ourselves first and then lead others. Lead others. And so without further ado, my friend, we're going to the inside look with LaVon Kirkland. Thank you so much, Mr. David. I really appreciate those kind words. When we talk about the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame and the programs that we give, um, we always talk about soft skills and how important they are as far as going into the workforce. And when I think about football, I think about, man, football really provides a lot of soft skills that you need for everyday life. So we talk about communication. That's just being, you know, being able to be not only a good talker, but also a good listener. We talk about critical thinking. We talk about leadership roles. Positive attitude, being a team player, you got to have teamwork. No matter who you work for, it's got to be some kind of teamwork in there. So that's important. And also work ethic. You don't get any better kind of work ethic than playing sports, especially the game of football. So we're going to encourage our young people to continue to play this game because it's going to give you a lot of skills. But also to our sponsors, understand that our workforce development is talking about the people that you need for employment. So that's my inside look. I hope everybody take heave of it. I hope everybody ingest it, take it all in, and understand how important football is to our society and how important these soft skills are to employers. Man, that's great stuff right that's there, strong. LeVon. You know, well, football you. is a great sport, and you don't think about it when you're playing the game. I love playing the game, of course. But a lot of those those skills that you mentioned, I'm using even today in my everyday life. So, oh, no important. So no. you're right. Football does yeah. a great job of preparing young people, young men for the workforce. So great inside look. Oh, thank you very much. So, Mikey, what you got for us today? The Blanchard Rogers Trophy. That's oh, right. Yeah, that's that's right. right. Time is click is uh, is going by. December 9th is going to be here before we know yeah, it. That's which, right. And that's the end of our voting period for the Blanchard Rogers Trophy, as well as our class of 2020, the first round that is. And uh, so make sure that you guys uh, go to the website scfootballhof.org and uh, check that out. So if you hadn't voted yet, then please do go to the website, vote for this first round class, and for who you think should be the winner of the Blanchard Rogers Trophy. And now, highlight some of the folks yeah, from last weekend Absolutely. For us. We appreciate Hales Jewelers for providing the trophy for us as well. If but you need jewelry of any kind or a watch, do yourself a favor. Go see Lucian Lee at yes. Hales Jewelers. Tell them LaVon sent you. And they're out there on uh, Haywood Road right across from the Chick-fil-A. Yes. And that place is fantastic. And you're right. They they are very supportive of our programming here and, of course, this trophy. That's right. How about Willie Eubanks, a junior linebacker out of the Citadel this week? Nine solo tackles. How hard is it to get nine solo tackles, man? It's pretty hard to get nine solo tackles, let me tell you. In one game? In one game. Yeah, it can be hard. Trust Four me. tackles for loss included in there. Two sacks. And just for uh, good measure, he threw in a forced fumble in there too. So, wow, man, he uh, was balling. He That's was great balling. Game great, right there. Great Willie week. Eubanks. He, I'll call him our defensive uh, player of the week for the Blanchard Rogers Trophy finalist. And list. he's a Citadel guy. And he's a Citadel guy. Um, Love and then, those guys. And then uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, 
four touchdown passes this weekend, destroys uh, Wake Forest. And uh, quick stat, 16 touchdowns, zero interceptions in the last 111 pass attempts, the second longest streak in the country. Uh, everyone was worried about him earlier throwing interceptions. Well, uh, he's he's on a pretty good streak of not throwing interceptions now. November to remember. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah, right. Man. It's championship it's season. It's championship folks. time. Yeah. What's going on in the NFL, my friend? Well, from the NFL, as I look at it, man, you got to look at the wide receivers that are coming from this state in the NFL. Uh, Debo Samuels having over 100 yards receiving in the last two games. And my God. Hunter Renfro, man, he's leading the Raiders in our receptions. So our receivers are doing really well in the NFL right now. Absolutely. Absolutely love it. That's fantastic. Well, you know, the uh, uh, NFL stands for not for long, but I no. tell you what, Hunter Renfro, that guy's going to be there for a while, I think, man. <laughs> he's going to play for about 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, oh okay. man, even the flag. Well, you know, leave it to me to get a flag thrown on you. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we do appreciate Coach Jeffries uh, giving us this flag and for him being in our Hall of Fame and all the great leadership. But this does mean that we're out of time, so thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the episodes, for be becoming a member, and all you do to help us with our success and our mission to help the youth and the workforce in South Carolina. So thank you. Be sure and tune in next time. We're going to have a great interview from Steve Fuller. You don't want to miss that one. No. And uh, have a great afternoon. We're the Inside Blitz with LeVon Kirkland. You're listening to Inside Blitz with LeVon Kirkland.